Thank you for visiting Open Life today. We're glad that you took time out of your busy week to join in with our service. If you're listening online or through the Open Life Church app, I need to point out two things for your benefit. The first is that we have our notes conveniently placed for you to follow along with the passages and points mentioned in the talk. The second thing I would like to point out is our connection card. If you fill this out while you are listening, it not only lets us know you visited us today, but also allows you to communicate any prayer requests you may have. We will be sure to take time to pray for them during the course of the week. If you are listening on iTunes, you can always visit us online or download the Open Life Church app to get in contact with us. Wherever or however you are with us today, we are glad that you are here. Now let's join today's talk. Well, welcome today. Thanks for coming to Open Life on this smoky morning. Can you believe it out there? And hopefully you enjoy today. Before we jump into Luke 22, verse 63, and jump into our third to last talk in the entire year and eight-month Luke series. Um, I want to share some vision with you real quick. Some of you maybe who've been filling out the Digital Connect card or have perused the website or app this morning might be going, yeah, I thought you were going to share something because I'm noticing a little something different. Well, let me talk about that. First, let me rewind. Um, uh, In 2009, when Open Life was an idea in our mind, we... uh, we're praying really hardcore about what we were supposed to do to reach what demographic reports said were 80,000 people that did not know Jesus in a five-mile radius of Target's address. We were like, what? That is so many people. 88% of our community um, does not connect or engage with the faith on a regular basis. And so we were like, man, how could we help people in a, into a growing relationship with Jesus in our region. And, and that's the call we kind of took upon ourselves when we founded and launched into this church. We didn't even have a name for it at the time, but now called Open Life. And so we prayed and said, man, how can we uh, reach this community and what can we do? And as we were praying with our launch team, we thought we're not supposed to just go through all the work to start a church once right? You've heard me say this before if you've been around for a while at Open Life. We, we really felt like we weren't supposed to be a church. We were supposed to be a, a movement. And we, our objective was not to take non-church people and make them into church people either. Our objective was supposed to be to go out and just be the church, go out and be the light of Jesus in the center of culture, impacting people right in the middle of life and be a light there, present there, and God has given us such favor in doing that, and our stories just overflow with presence out in the community, and really it's become what Open Life is known for. So in that, you know, we fast forward like three years, we're always looking to develop people and raise them up and send them out. So in 2012, we had the opportunity to apprentice Brent Osborne, who actually started, when he came to us, he was six months into this dream of his to start a church in Sumner, Living Hope Sumner. So they started Living Hope Sumner in uh, December of 2012 and after apprenticing with us for a year. During that year is when we like put all of our cultures onto the banner and just really defined and figured out our mission so definitively so that we could make it more reproducible and spread. And, And so all of a sudden, open life grew, but not as open life. We grew as living hope down in the valley since 
Brent has served along with us in Big Give, and uh, they would do Big Give Sumner when we're doing Big Give Bonnie Lake, and it's just been this huge opportunity. In fact, the only way he acquired a school to meet in at the time, they were like, there's no schools to rent. Sorry, uh, you're going to have to find a different place to gather. He says, well, I just finished apprenticing, um, you know, up at Open Life. And Sumner School District said, which school do you want? And so it was like, oh, okay. You know, so he's found that like doors open. Okay, fast forward again. During the course of the, of the last few years, Brent and I meet regularly and talk about their church. And, and I'm constantly like, hey, if ever you need to lean in, let me know. And so there was a, there was a moment at the beginning of 2015 where we were praying and we came up with a vision message that we shared in January where we shared four words that the Lord had really put on our heart that we were going to own in 2015. The first word was initiate, that we were going to not just walk through doors of opportunity, but that we were going to initiate opportunities. We felt like the Lord like, was giving us more of an aggressive spirit, if you would. The second word was rely, where we really felt like it's easy to trust our own strengths, I guess you could say. Like, we've got a lot of strong leaders around us, and so we can do a lot of things just in our own strength without God, honestly. What could we do that would make us so nervous we needed God and rely on Him, right? So it's like, so we need to risk more, which probably freaks people out because we're pretty crazy. And then um, we, we felt as well the word together. You know, together we can, we can do more. Together we're better. And just some of those, those thoughts of, you know, how can we just do more together? How can we grow our groups? How can we be more in relationship with one another? How can we be a tighter family? And unity is so important to God. So we're like together. And then the final was resolute. Just resolute on mission. I know we have our values and our mission and our DNA defined, but how can we define it even more purely? And so that was our heart right at the beginning of the year. And then February hit and Brent called and says, hey, I have a couple roles I need, I need filled. Do you know of anybody? And, and a day before I'd like talk to somebody. And so like one plus one. And, and, and I was like, wait a second, let's do lunch. So we did lunch. And I said, I said, I just, you know, I wanted to say it again, but if ever you feel like you need to lean in, we'd be all about that because we're all about reproducing the church. We've discovered all these communities around us. Everyone needs a, a church, and whether it's called Living Hope or Open Life, I don't care, but we want, you know. And he's like, you know, funny thing you say that because last night I talked to my board, and I said, you're going to be hearing a lot more about Thad Huff and Open Life. And I was like, what? And we began this conversation, and we ended up getting him like this worship pastor and all these different things. Over the course of the last six months, we've been relying on God and praying together and saying, what do you mean by leaning in? And what do I mean by leaning in? And so we were talking about this, and, and we've come to the reality of, you know what? Living hope was awesome. And if living hope continued as it is two years into their vision, they're going to grow. They're going to be an incredible church. They're going to look a lot like us in five years. But if living hope became Open Life Sumner and continued to stand on the shoulders of Open Life's vision and became Open Life, they could fast forward to five years now. And so we uh, prayed about that to find out what does this look like. It's not a merger. It's a collective. They're leaning in 90%. We're leaning in 10 We defined it out, prayed over it, dialogued about all the ramifications, and boom, I'm here to announce that on September 20th, 
Open Life Sumner is relaunching, ultimately, there's a congregation of 60 people there, but they're launching at, at Sumner Middle School as Open Life on September 20th. Yay! What does that mean, right? It's like now, so my mind's just been going crazy. And this is what's interesting, because if you've been praying with us, you know we also said in 2015 we were going to start Open Life Wilkinson, so that's where I get nervous and start to sweat. But anyway, uh, hopefully it's not... I use good deodorant. Uh, so, you know, we were like, yeah, we, we do. We're, we're, we're putting our, our service hat on and want to get out there into Wilkeson and trying to connect with people that are interested in starting a church out there. And so we're pumped for, for that. It's like we thought Wilkeson was number two, but Wilkeson becomes number three because number two is going to go live 920. Uh, so let me define out a, a couple things because this has just been a blast. Living hope is already 100% our same DNA to them. It's a name change, ultimately. But it's also, they have access to a bunch of tools that they just couldn't afford as a, as a smaller congregation. And it as well for us collectively, as a family means, now there is nearly 200 people out in the community sharing invites to open life, sharing the DNA and the culture of service, being present right in the center of community as open life being able to share the same heart, the same service, the same moments, the same stories, and yet gathering in two different locations, it makes the mission that God has given us and graced us with incredibly more potent and powerful to where you can create more momentum, which means more people having an opportunity to experience Jesus and choose to follow Him, which is what we're all about. We're, we're still within our five-mile ping of those 80,000 people. Our just influence broadens instantly. So, um, a couple things I thought I would, I would mention, uh, like what are differences that we'll notice? Well, one, if you opened your Connect card on your phone today, you notice that you select a campus when you fill it out. You're going, huh? Why is Sumner there? You know? Uh, and then, because pretty much everything is live already on the website, just so that when this announcement right now that's being given down in Sumner in their church today, they don't feel like the little stepchild. They feel like they're part of the family. I think that's more biblical, right? We're, we're heirs. We're co-heirs with Jesus as sons of God, and we should treat the church the same like they're all in. And uh, so I was like, uh, they'll feel that the moment they go on the website and, and all that stuff. So all that goes live. For us, it means there'll be new A boards because we're really going, uh, uh, moving from open life in our verbiage to openlife.church to help people find the website. So you'll notice our A frames will be more visible and larger, and uh, all that will roll out by 920. Um, just systems will increase. Here's one thing that you'll notice our preaching is going to get better. It's weird to say when you're the preacher, but that's okay to say, right? Uh, everything's on the table for improvement because uh, we're going to have a communication team. We value live communicators. I'm not going to put my face on a screen down there because we've yet to find a good angle. Anyway, but I am, yeah, we, we, we're going to meet together weekly. We're right now prepping actually the series that starts September 20th. 
will be a series ahead in our preparation for our talks. And so uh, Brent is still going to be the communicator down there and the campus pastor. And, uh, and then Jaden's still going to be the campus pastor here. But as campus pastor role here, Jaden's the secondary communicator. I'm the lead communicator. All those little details we hash out. But uh, the cool thing is we're developing our talks collectively. And so they're just going to be better. They're going to be more planned out. Uh, sharper. It's just going to help all across the board. Same with like youth. It's going to be a collective experience. We're broadening out our reach and want to develop a leader for that campus down there and, and, and worship the same way. It's all this collective experience. Things will improve because more minds are coming to the table. Together we're just better. And so I'm pretty excited about that. Um, I'm thinking of anything else I I need to really, well, okay, here's one thing. You know, like we have a bunch of questions that have been asked already in our process of coming to this moment of, of going public with this news. Um, and one of those questions is like, well, where does the money go? And who's the pastor? And all those, which I've already shared the pastor thing. Um, and you can see all the answers to that on the website or your app. Just, just click on uh, the Sumner campus and, and you can read all about it. And it will, um, there's an FAQ at the bottom. There's a video. Don't watch it while I'm preaching because then I'll be really self-conscious if I hear Brent and myself talking out there somewhere on somebody's phone. But uh, there's all kinds of information there if you want it. But the finances, I was going to throw this out real quick. Uh, we're just, church uncomplicated has kind of been our little phrase we've used for the last while. Uh, so we're like, why complicate it and make it really weird? Although if you're giving digitally, which is our preferred form of giving, um, it, you'll select which campus you go to, but that's just for a point of reference. But really, our funds are collective. Um, what that means is uh, something that's a win for us. Uh, we set aside, as Jaden mentioned last week, 2% of our funds all the time for future funds, which means we have funds there to do the A-board changes and, and to rebrand their entire campus from living hope to open life with banners and all the different things you see here. You'll feel like you're walking into a similar location and, and, and it'll just feel the same down there. And uh, for brand alignment and that kind of stuff that I geek out on, but uh, it's expensive. So there's never been a better time than right now to be faithful in your giving or challenge yourself to give faithfully. Because honestly, uh, the cost of operation goes up, not doubles, because now both churches aren't paying for the same things. We're, we're paying for one thing that's used at both locations. In a lot of senses, we save money, which means all of our pastors get a little raise, which is going to be cool when they're bivocational volunteer kind of pastors. We should be excited about that. I know they're excited about that. And uh, uh, I haven't told them really what that means yet, but John's smiling. And so, you know, there's like moments like that that you're just like, this is going to be a good win for, for everybody and, and open life as a whole, and it's going to allow us to do more quicker. So I'm so excited, and I just can't hide it. I'm about to lose control, and I think I like it. I should write a song about it. Anyway, so um, anyway, that's the news today that we've built a little social buzz on. You'll notice some things in the future, and we'll roll out ideas like 
uh, campus-specific notifications on the app and some different things that we're going to roll out, like probably by next Sunday. Uh, the app works on Amazon, not just Apple, Android, and Windows. I don't know if anybody really has an Amazon tablet that they're using. But anyway, so let's pray, and then I'll jump into the Word because I need prayer after that to focus. Lord, thank You for the opportunity we have. And I know lots of people have questions and stuff, and that was a lot to just blow up and go, ooh, that's what's happening. And uh, in, in four weeks, we're going to be in two communities, and we're going to be celebrating the difference that is made through two groups of people becoming one that are collectively reaching two communities. I'm really pumped about it, and we're going to just have the same experience when we launch in Wilkeson in the coming months. It's going to be incredible to see what you can do through a collective approach of doing church and because uh, we're burdened for those people who need you. And I'm going to talk about all of us who need you today. And really, we're full of a community that, that needs the freedom that only you can give, Jesus. So I just pray that through this, you'll be honored and glorified. That we'll be able to make you known that much more purely in the community and, uh, and, and just celebrate even more stories of generosity. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, hey, we're in uh, John 22, verse 63. Let me give you the big idea before I jump into this moment where Jesus is almost to the crucifixion. This is leading up to the crucifixion, like the final lead up. And uh, the big idea is this. Your circumstances are an opportunity to prove God's faithfulness to you. So if you're a blank filler inner uh, your circumstances are an opportunity to prove God's faithfulness to you. You can write that in on the handout. Um, here's the passage, Luke 22, 63 through 65 is where we'll start, and then we'll pause and go into the rest of it. The men who were guarding Jesus began mocking and beating Him. They blindfolded Him and demanded, prophesy, who hit you? kind of brutal, blindfold somebody, beat them up and go, who was it, bro? No comment. Beat them up a little more. Uh, yeah, who hit you there? You know, and he's like, just silent. Goes on for 65. They said many other insulting things to him. Thought number one, God's promises for you will be fulfilled. God's promises for you will be fulfilled. The scene is full of elements exactly the way Jesus predicted them over the course of the last three years with His disciples. He told them He was going to be mocked. He was going to be beaten. He was going to be punished for their transgressions. I'm sure the disciples were really confused and didn't quite get all the prophetic history in Scripture as to what was going to happen. But as he's being beaten and he's standing there in silence, it's an answer to all that he taught. He's walking out the fulfillment of Scriptures. Listen to these. Luke 9, 22. This is Jesus speaking. He said, The Son of Man must suffer many things, and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. 
disciples had no idea what he was talking about when he taught that. Luke 18, 32. He will be delivered over to the Gentiles. They will mock him, insult him, and spit on him. Now, that's just where you cross the line. That's sick. Anyway, uh, they will flog him, kill him, and on the third day, he'll rise again. Remember what Jesus said right before these verses? If you were here last week or you've listened to the podcast, you would know. He said this in Luke twenty-two fifty-three. He said, every day I was with you in the temple courts, and you did not lay a hand on me, but this is your hour when darkness reigns. Jesus was not being overtaken by man's power. He was surrendering to God's plan. And he was submitting himself to the fulfillment that he prayed. He just prayed at the beginning of Luke 22. You know, even he was like, God, okay, I know what's going to happen here, but if it's your will, take this cup from me because this is not going to be fun. Obedience is not always fun. As Jesus is demonstrating here. I love the way Matthew recorded this, and, and he actually tossed in that Jesus said something here, which is interesting. He records and says this in Matthew 26, 53, as Jesus saying, do you think, to those mocking him and beating him, do you think I cannot call on my Father and he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels? But how then would the Scriptures be fulfilled that say it must happen this way? Wow. It had to happen this way. So here's Jesus. And we look, read something like this, and we're going, personally, this is what I always, through this lens, I'm like, how does this apply to me today? And it came to me. As I was praying for today, as I was praying for this talk, as I was considering what's happening to Jesus, Romans eleven twenty nine 29 came to me and it said this, God's gift and his call are irrevocable. He can't take it back. If you've at some point in time in your life had that unction that, man, I'm supposed to be a business person for God's glory and, and be generous to the, the kingdom, or I'm supposed to be a musician, or I'm supposed to be a teacher, or I'm supposed to be a, a president of the United States with a really crazy comb over. Anyway, or, I'm just kidding, that wasn't an endorsement, believe me. Uh, if you think it's an endorsement, you're fired. Okay, moving on. Uh, so the, uh, you, look at, you look at the reality of what's, what's, you know, just all the things you can be. Whatever you want to be, you can be that. God can do all things, and he can speak that into you at a very young age. And some of you may be in the place where you're like, yeah, but Thad, my choices have brought me to a place where I've lost the possibility of pursuing that destiny of what I thought was on my life. No. God's gifts and His call on you are irrevocable. That means this. If you've sensed His call or Him pointing towards a purpose and plan for your life, and you veered away from that, He's going to bring you back to it. You'll be miserable until you're in it. He's just going to keep drawing you back to that vision, drawing you back to that mission for your life, drawing you back. 
And that's what he's doing here with Jesus. He's bringing him to a place of fulfillment of his promise upon his life. You're not forgotten. We might forget his plan for our life, but he's not forgotten his plan for you. There's so much potential in his promise. This is why when we talk about fulfilled promise, I get so excited about another campus of open life because we've shared for five years you know, we're going to reproduce rapidly and we're going to grow and we're going to do this and we're going to do that. And it's like we say it, we believe it in our hearts. And the moment we see it come into fruition, we're just inside going, if we've been in prayer for that, yes, Jesus, you're doing it. And he's stirring interests and things in people's lives and we're raising people up and sending them out and churches in every pocket of the community becomes more and more of a visible, tangible reality. And we begin to just celebrate inside. It's fulfilled promise because God put a promise on us and a burden on us when it was just a thought in 2009. You should maybe start a church in this community for those who have never been in church that relates to them, that speaks their language. Okay, Lord. What does that look like? And we've been just walking in faith since then. Fulfilled promise. It's fun to see his promise come about in our lives. Corporately, individually. Man, all that from three passages about Jesus getting spit on and beat up, right? I can't wait to see what comes out of the remainder of the passages. This section's a little lengthy. Let's dive in. Luke twenty-two sixty-six is where we start. At daybreak, the council of elders, the people... Both the chief priests and the teachers of the law met together, and Jesus was led before them. If you're the Messiah, they said, tell us. Jesus answered, if I tell you, you'll not believe me. And if I asked you, you would not answer. But from now on, the Son of Man will be seated at the right hand of the mighty God. They all asked, are you then the Son of God? He replied, you say that I am. Then they said, why do we need any more testimony? We have heard it from his own lips. Then the whole assembly rose and led him off to Pilate. They began to accuse him, saying, we found this man subverting our nation. He opposes payments of taxes to Caesar, claims to be Messiah, a king. So Pilate asked Jesus, are you the king of the Jews? You've said so, Jesus replied. Then Pilate announced to the chief priests and the crowd, I find no basis for charge against this man. But they insisted. He stirs up the people all over Judea by his teaching. He started in Galilee and has come all the way here. On hearing this, Pilate asked if the man was a Galilean. When he learned that Jesus was under Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him to Herod, who was also in Jerusalem at the time. Herod saw Jesus, and he's was greatly pleased because for a long time he had been wanting to see him. From what he had heard about him, he hoped to see him perform a sign of some sort. He pled, er, plied him, what, what is that word? Anyway, with many questions, uh, but Jesus gave him no answer. The chief priests and teachers of the law were standing there vehemently accusing him. Then Herod and his soldiers ridiculed and mocked him. Dressing him in an elegant robe, they sent him back to Pilate. That day, Herod and Pilate became friends. What a way to start a friendship. Let's beat this dude, put him in a robe, 
pound it, we're bros. You know, so that's kind of what they did. Before this, they had been enemies. Pilate called together the chief priests, verse 13, the rulers and the people, and said to them, you brought me this man as one who has incited the people to rebellion. I've examined him in your presence and have found no basis for your charges against him. Neither is Herod, for he sent him back to us. As you can see, he has done nothing to deserve death. Therefore, I will punish him and then release him. But the whole crowd shouted, away with this man and release Barabbas to us. Barabbas had been thrown into prison for an insurrection in the city and for murder. Wanting to release Jesus, Pilate appealed to them again and said, but, but they kept shouting, crucify him, crucify him. For the third time he spoke to them, why? What crime has this man committed? I've found in him no grounds for the death penalty. Therefore, I will have him punished and then release him. But with loud shouts, they insisted, demanded that he be crucified and their shouts prevailed. So Pilate decided to grant their demand. He released the man who had been thrown into prison for insurrection and murder, the one they asked for, and surrendered Jesus to their will. <laughs> what? Why is this? How does this guy Barabbas just show up on the scene? Like, what is happening here? Who is this dude in the middle of Jesus' story, in the middle of all of eternity, in the middle of all the Old Testament, leading up, pinnacling at Jesus? And the key thing is that he fulfills every prophetic word from all the Bible to really be the Son of Man. Luke's trying to prove he's really the Son of Man. He's writing a very detailed book in Luke and Acts for a donor called Theophilus that funded this work, and he's trying to prove this is the Son of God, and this guy Barabbas gets in the way right in the middle of, gets into the story of the climactic portion of this story, where all the drama's happening. How, how does he get in here? A murderer, who is he? He's an insurrectionist. He deserves death. He's supposed to be on the death row. He's a rebel against the rule of the land, a crook, a bad man. Yet they shout, Give us that dude. But take Jesus and crucify him. Luke is detailed. He just recorded at the beginning of Luke 22 the fact that he predicted that Peter was going to deny him three times before a rooster crowed, and a rooster crowed, and, and Peter realized he had just denied Jesus three times. And Luke identifies the reality that Jesus looked at Peter and that Peter like connected eyes with Jesus from far off. Like Luke writes with that much detail, but yet this is all we hear of Barabbas. We, we don't hear that he passed by Jesus and, and looked at Jesus and Jesus looked at him and he was like, <gasps> I must walk a better life the rest of my life. You know, we don't see that moment. We don't see Jesus whisper to him, go and sin no more. As we see all throughout the text when he heals people or delivers people, we don't see anything about him turning his life around or becoming one of the disciples. I'll live a life free from sin now. Jesus doesn't even address Barabbas after this, but he makes it into our story. Why? We must consider one other thing. 
Remember, Jesus was praying in the garden incessantly, like so passionately praying that it says even the sweat from his brow is as blood. Just passionately praying. And, and so he was passionately, fervently praying with God, and God spoke to him what was going to happen. And he took that cup on him to say, okay, I'm going to walk this out faithfully. And I'm imagining at this moment when they shouted, give us Barabbas, crucify him. Jesus wasn't like saying, yeah, the people, they got this. They're going to take over now. He knew that this was God's plan. Jesus knew that the Father would have to treat Jesus like Barabbas so he could treat Barabbas like Jesus. It was not the people who set Jesus free. It was the Father in heaven. It was God's love that set Barabbas free so that you and I would have an example. Because you know who Barabbas is in this story? You and me. We deserve the death row. We deserve the punishment of our sins. We deserve the, the punishment for all the wrong choices we make. But still today, Jesus is taking our place and allowing us to be set free through faith in Him. That's why Luke throws Barabbas in there. That's why we make sure we hear this part of the story, so that we can relate, so that we can connect and know we can be set free. God loves us so much that He sets us free and puts His Son on a cross in our place. Maybe that's what the author of Hebrews was thinking in Hebrews 12.2 when he wrote, Fix our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before Him, He endured the cross, scorning its shame, sat down at the right hand of God on the throne. Consider Him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. He took our place. Thought number two. Your circumstances are a gift from God. Maybe you're in being persecuted or you feel like Barabbas. You feel like you're just, everybody's against you, but yet all of a sudden you experience John 3, 16 and 17. God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. And you're just experiencing that all of a sudden. And people did not set Barabbas free. Again, God did a gift to the world to demonstrate the release we can have through Jesus. Don't give credit to the wrong source in the story of life, right? And oftentimes we just see our circumstances, good or bad, as circumstances instead of giving God thanks for them, good or bad, as an experience orchestrated for our betterment. I hope Barabbas caught the eyes of Jesus. I hope that he tracked him. I hope that he was there looking on because that would have changed everything. That would have changed this whole story and perspective, right? He had no way to save himself. Barabbas could not earn parole. Barabbas was going to die. The only way he was going to be set free was this Jesus guy showing up on the scene. And for a lot of you, the only way you're going to be set free is Jesus showing up in your scene. 
You're choosing to follow him. You're choosing to, to put your faith on Jesus. You can't do anything to be loved any more than Jesus already loved you on the cross. The mocking, the price, the cruelty, the weight of sin. He's the only one that can take that away. You can't earn it. You can't be good enough. You can't get a raise that makes you worthy. You can't say the right things that make you worthy. Stop working yourself to death to earn God's favor. He already paid the price for you to have favor on the cross. He can't love you more than that. He already loves you to the full extent of his lovability just like you are. So embrace that. Thought number three, your efforts to save yourself express a lack of understanding of the gospel. I mean, we just need to confess that. That's something that's just a simple thought. Man, okay, I, I get it, God. I do. I, unconsciously, I just do little things and think, oh, God's going to like me more today. I read my Bible. God's going to love me because I made a scripture image from you version and shared it on my social feed. Yes, he's really, I'm going to have a great day. Jesus has got to be happy, you know? It's like we do things like that, even subconsciously. We, we're like, you pray for your meal in a public place, and you're like, I prayed. I'm seeing you over there eating already, and you did not bow your head. You know, it's that moment where you're like, my meal is going to be better for me than yours is. You're going to get fat off that. Wait a second. I pray before I eat. Okay, never mind. Uh, so I just look at that and go, man, what is this? Our, our efforts, we, we put these self-efforts out when it's really, we just need to put our faith more on that cross, our faith more in Jesus. Our response to God's grace and freedom is often the same as Pilate in this story. And I just want to reflect on him because I think, I think this is the posture we should take with God. Pilate said one simple word that just really grabs me. And he's like, why? They returned Jesus beaten and in a robe and all this back to him. And he's like, why? And I think if we get a correct perspective of the gospel, of the good news of Jesus taking our sin upon him on a cross, raising three days later to give us promise of eternal life, he ascended into heaven after being seen by more than 500 people, and we bear witness to the proofs of that still today, you look at that and go, wow. Why? We should be in awe. Why would you do this for me, Jesus? Why? I mean, I think Barabbas was in this posture too. I, I hope. I think he watched. I think Barabbas followed at a distance. I think Barabbas saw the beating that followed, and said, why? That should be me. I think Barabbas watched Jesus carry that cross and knew I'm supposed to be there with those other two guys on that hill today. Why? I think Barabbas felt the earth shake when Jesus said, it is finished and got it. I wish Luke would have recorded that part of the story. But it should still have us in the same posture today. God, why would you do this for me? I'm so unworthy to be set free. Why, when I make this mistake over and over again, do you still give me favor and love? 
And may we hear today, because that's who I am. I'm your father, and I've never stopped loving you. I have one action step for us today. When we grab a hold of the reality that Jesus is enough, nothing we do can make an impact. Jesus is enough, and we need to put, go all in with his love. Our action step this week is simple. Stop trying to save yourself and embrace the freedom that Jesus has given you. If you've followed Jesus for years, this might look like more praise and, and just more thank you, God, and more, man, why, God, I'm in an adoration of you. I'm in awe of what you do for my life. And, and maybe if you're following Jesus at a distance and you're just kicking the tires of the faith, you'll begin to recognize that there's no such thing in your life as a coincidence. And God's going to open your eyes as you're walking through your week, and he's going to say, see, this is in your path for a reason. And it's going to be that one more thing that's going to make you say, okay, I knew it. I need to go all in with Jesus. I'm going to pray for you. Worship team's going to sing a song. I'm going to pop back up and allow us to go. We're going to collect your connection cards with your responses on the back. This is a great time to fill those out. We're going to connect your offering in a second or collect your offering in a second. But I want to pray first. God, thank you for your word. And in the middle of a random story like making Barabbas appear, we can find a hope deeper than is imaginable for our lives. It's unbelievable to imagine why you would send your one and only son to pay such a deep price for us and take our place, set us free. But God, I, I, I just pray right now that this entire room full of people will stop trying to earn their way for your love and realize it's already been given. That we'll recognize there's no such thing as a coincidence in our life. And that we'll fully embrace the opportunity we have to partake in the fulfilled promises for our lives, the hope you say is in our life. May we be full of adoration for you. May we stop trying to save ourselves and embrace the gospel, the good news of Jesus today. For some, that means they're going to choose to follow Jesus today or restart a relationship with Jesus today. May they do that. I just sing, Jesus, I follow you I want to know what it is to grow in a relationship with you. I surrender all today. Here I am. And God is well for those individuals that are here that have been following you. May they be wrecked with praise this week and adoration. Why you would give your son for us. May it mess us up this week and make us love you that much more. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you have questions about anything you heard during this talk or have a prayer request, you can fill out the connection card on our app or online at openlife.church. If you'd like to join the mission of Open Life with a financial gift, you can do this quickly and securely through the app by pressing the Give button at the bottom or on our website by clicking on the Giving tab. Open Life wouldn't exist without the consistent and generous giving of people like you. Finally, it's great that you had the chance to listen on the app, online, or through our podcast. But have you ever thought about joining us for a service? We meet every Sunday at Bonnie Lake High School at 10 a.m. This way you can put a face to the voice you've been hearing through your ears. Thanks again for joining us today. Have a great rest of your week.